you know, Nike has this amazing studio, but they don't brand their films. They're just celebrating sports. And they said, as sports rises, sneakers purchase rises, and we have 40% market share or whatever. So, you know, rising tide floats all boats. So same with, you know, Neutrogena. We didn't have like close-ups of Neutrogena sunscreen in the film, but Neutrogena's, you know, one of the leading manufacturers of sunscreen. So they know if another 10 million people are buying sunscreen, they're going to get the benefit, as will their competitors, but a lot of the brands don't care. Greetings, and welcome to Content That Moves, the podcast from brand storytelling and credo nonfiction, where it's my distinct pleasure to interview the brightest minds in branded content creation who are out there telling the stories that make you actually feel something on behalf of brands. I'm your host, Jesse Raisler, the founder of Credo Nonfiction, where we partner with brands to find and tell stories that reveal brand purpose and deepen brand meaning in a way that traditional advertising just doesn't. This podcast is co-produced by Brand Storytelling, bringing you the latest news, trends, and insights in branded content with top of industry events and in-depth industry coverage online. Brand Storytelling encourages a higher level of collaboration amongst advertisers, agencies, media partners, and creators in pursuit of a richer media environment. For more of the latest in the world of branded content or to explore event offerings, visit brandstorytelling.tv today. In this episode, founder of Passion Point Collective, Marcus Peterzell, breaks down the difference between brand-funded films and branded entertainment. They are not the same. He shares best practices from successes he's had distributing, marketing, and promoting brand-funded films, including projects for HP, 3M, Affleck, and Neutrogena. Marcus, welcome. I, I have to say this episode is a, a long time coming. Um, our, our very first episode of this podcast way back in, in 2019 was with your friend and uh, client Angela uh, and the filmmaking team behind History of Memory, this beautiful, really moving docu-series about the power of a photograph. Um, so uh, first of all, beautiful work there and, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, thrilled to be here. And yeah, that was really, as an agency, our first our first film launch, and I fell in love with the two. You know, we saw it screened at um, Brand Storytelling, and it was just, each story was so unique. It was a docu-series, so each story had its own nuances and um, characters, and it really uh, was captivating, and, you know, we were lucky enough. Right after I saw it, I said, wow, this would be great to screen, you know, at Tribeca Film Festival, and um, our client at the time, uh, you know, Angela said, well, we think it's too late. I'm like, not for us. So <laughs> we rushed to, I rushed it over there and they were like, oh my God, you're so right. And um, we became an official selection at Tribeca X, which is their brand funded film right. platform. And, um, you know, the HP team was like, listen, for us to be an official selection at Tribeca is like a dream. Nothing could be better, which was not true because at the awards when they showed the four docu-series and announced we were the winner, wow. it did get better. It so, did. I remember um, that. What a great way to start working with a client and what a great way to celebrate that stuff. Yeah. And to, to kick off uh, Passion Point Collective, if that was your first uh, big project in, as an agency, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, t I tell the story a lot. I said, 
We didn't have a bank account. We didn't have business cards, <laughs> but we won the Tribeca Film <laughs> Festival. And um, it really was. I, I just, I, you know, HP and Angela will forever be in our hearts for launching. And, and you know, now we're launching another film for them uh, next week on Earth Day. So oh, the saga exciting. continues. Oh, is that is that something you can talk about or not until not until after it's up there? No, we've um, we've announced it. And uh, it's a series called Generation Impact. So Mm. basically, it's a series of films from HP, the garage that celebrates youth who are helping to change the world because that's the future. So um, it's a series. But instead of aggregating them together, we've been releasing them every you know, three to six months. So the first one was called The Coder, um, which was a young girl who who created this amazing app um, related to how families can communicate with their loved ones who are incarcerated. And then we have The Inventor, um, which was a young man who just saw a problem with prosthetics for teenagers that just were bulky, not user-friendly, and way too expensive, and he solved it. And the one we're releasing on Earth Day, which is next week, well, this will have already happened on the podcast. Right, right. Um, but on Earth Day, to celebrate the scientist, and she's a young girl at Stanford University who um, created a prototype of how to mimic the hydration powers of the Torrey pine tree, which only exists in San Diego. And she figured out how to kind of mimic that hydration system because of the drought conditions we're facing everywhere. So it's a great series celebrating... Um, youth and innovation and these films have been in dozens and dozens of film festivals so hp continues to innovate with their films their film work and series that's great to hear how that's continued on since since the history of memory several years ago and i do want to get more specifically into you know just like you mentioned these are in film festivals and these films are premiering a lot of times on platforms where people don't traditionally think of brands being involved in these type of films and so I wanted to start really by digging into, you know, with your unique point of view in this space, if you could talk a little bit about the distinction between brand funded films versus more traditional branded entertainment, because I think a lot of those lines have been blurring just in the last several years. And I think, you know, depending on how forward thinking a brand is or, you know, working with ad agencies, a lot of times people will use those terms interchangeably when they're not really <laughs> interchangeable. And I know you have some thoughts on that. So I'd love to hear. Yeah. So I'm always on my soapbox about that um, from two perspectives. One, people confusing the two terms. Well, the broader one is when I tell people what we do, that we built a movie studio for brands. Even people in the business are like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? And, you know, you explain it and they go, well, not real movies. They go, yes, real movies. Mm-hmm. Movies that are not competing with commercials. Movies that are competing with movies from Paramount, Sony, Warner, DreamWorks. These are traditional Hollywood films. They just happen to be funded by brands. And it's hard for people to wrap, even people, you know, in marketing, yeah. to wrap their heads around it until I give examples. And then they go look at the, they go on Amazon or Hulu and watch them. Well, wow, um, these are just cr- great films. And... The distinction, the distinction, because when I do cringe when people will just say, oh, it's branded entertainment, saying branded entertainment and brand funded films are very, very different. You could both put them under a brand storytelling headline, Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. but the executions are very different. Branded entertainment is an entertaining commercial. 
Right. It's clear to the consumer that you're selling a product. So we created, um, this is years ago, for Gillette, a piece of branded entertainment with Lionel Messi, Roger Federer. Um, it's fantastic. The most viewed video on tennis in the history of YouTube, probably up to 50 million views. But you were clear as you're watching it, they're selling razors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so clear. Doesn't mean you don't love the clip. Doesn't mean you're not laughing. Doesn't mean you go, that was great. But you are clear that you're supposed to go out and buy a Gillette razor. Right. That's branded entertainment. Brand funded films traditionally do not feature the product or the brand. You'll know it because it might say HP presents at the beginning and or the end. Mm -hmm. And there might be, of course, in the case of, let's say, HP, if there's a computer, of course, it's going to be an HP computer. Um, but it's a traditional film. It's entertaining. It's lean forward content. You're engaged because it's a great story. And at the end, as a consumer, you would never say, oh, well, that was just a commercial for HP. Right. If you did, then it wasn't a brand-funded film. So that's really the distinction, and it's such an important distinction because they're just two different verticals um, within the industry, and they both serve a purpose, but very different purposes. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times we've been approached to make a, you know, what's called, it's a, it's a film, a brand-funded film, and then you know, once we start having the deeper discussions, it's like, and here's where the product will be, and here's how we want it to film, and we want a close-up of it. It's like clear that someone was thinking of branded entertainment and called it a brand film or vice versa. So I think it is important to make that distinction, not, not just because you need to know what you're making and how you're making it, but I think a big part of this is what can happen, what opens up in the realm of distribution when it is a brand-funded film versus branded entertainment, just that your distribution options open up in a really profound way and you can actually access festivals and streaming platforms that you really couldn't with branded entertainment. And I'd love to hear more about how you've sort of navigated that path for some of the films that you've been working with. Sure. So really that's our, I'll call it our secret sauce, but it's the core services of our agency and other agencies like us. Um, it's interesting because we have two, usually two types of projects. One is where we're brought in right at the beginning and we create the films, we develop the films and then do all the back end distribution, marketing, promotion. But we have a number of films, including History of Memory, where the yeah. film was in rough cut or fine cut stage. And then the brand went, okay, we had a good idea, great. We found a director and production company, great. And we made a great film. Now, now what? <laughs> yep, yep. Now, and so that's us. I guess if we didn't call ourselves Passion Point Collective, we could have just called ourselves Now What? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <for> agency. <laughs> Clearly, that's the question that we answer. So we created a movie studio for brands, and we just duplicated everything the movie studios do. So... um distribution, marketing, promotion, digital, social, content assets, the trailer, the key art, all of it. And we created a, you know, a funnel, a process, a system for all of that. And it's all important. And we follow the Hollywood traditional um, blueprint, which is different than what ad agencies do. Right. And it's great. We've had so much... Um, 
so much success. I remember we did um, did a film. We've done a number of films for HPE, which is very different than HP. It's after they split. This is the enterprise part of um, HP. Mm -hmm. And once we kind of explained the process to them, their CMO said to their ad agency, listen, we're going to need to support it. We're going to need to do media buys. But Passion Point has the blueprint. Follow the blueprint. Mm. And many times the traditional agencies don't and they want to. But once they hear it, they're like, got it. So uh -huh. we have to do the trailer first. And then the trailer, there has to be six weeks before the film. And that has to be an exclusive. But we can't screen it online or else film festivals won't accept. There are yep. all these yep. set of rules. Um, and, you know, that's kind of our job is to shepherd them through the process. So specifically distribution which is always the still the question the brands are like yeah we can make the film mm -hmm. but how do we get it out there so there's three or four um significant channels one the obvious one are the own channels so these are the channels owned by the brand their content hub their youtube channel whatever vehicles they have in fact i did a film with um morgan neville who's just hot oh as wow a, hot as a pistol now yeah and we had a kind of a heated discussion with Samsung because we had, you know, a big digital play. I think it was with Vimeo. It was going to be documentary of the week. And they're like, well, we want it on our website. And I'm like, no one goes to Samsung to watch movies. Right. But in their case, they had so much traffic because they're so huge. And anytime you have an issue, you know, with your phone or whatever, you're going to Samsung. They did get end up getting millions of views. So own channels are, are pretty important. But, of course, then the brand's like, well, we're just speaking to our audience who we already have. Exactly. Fair point. So then um, vertical two in the distribution matrix is part media partnerships. Um, and so media partnerships are where you're working with a media outlet that has a specific audience. And then there is a media buy attached to it, but it's way better value than a traditional media buy. So we did it, and this was announced for that series I was talking about, Generation Impact. We partnered with Hearst and Seventeen Magazine, mm. and we did exactly that. They fell in love with our content and said, wow, we can't make movies like this. We want to show these to our readers. I was like, great. And they go, but we need a media buy to help drive traffic. Fine. So we did that. We have a partnership with the Weather Channel to launch the next Generation Impact um, film. So that's another outlet. Uh, then ER, PR. So we have two full-time publicists, X of DreamWorks and Paramount at Passion Point. And we're getting distribution of the film on an earned basis through PR media outlets. So Dear Future Me, which was um, another film for HP after... I'll go on to our many other clients. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to ask about that one too, because I remember seeing that on the Today Show. And I was like, wow, what an earned yeah, media... When? Oh, we get a mention on the Today Show. They show a 15-second clip. It was half an hour. Wow. It was a half-hour segment of Dear Future Me um, with the HP branding on it. So that's a huge distribution portal. Yeah. And then um, there's the traditional VOD channels. So we distribute the majority of our films through VOD channels, Roku, Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Pluto, Voodoo. So these are all VOD channels that you can access to your smart TVs. Many of these platforms are transactional. So, you know, the film's listed at $1.99. So that's, you know, those aren't big numbers there. 
Um, but some of them are streaming like Roku and it's AVOD, so it's advertising supported. So we want to be anywhere a consumer's comfortable consuming content. Wherever they want to be, we want to be. So for us, it's all about the broadest distribution um, channels that we can find. And then, you know, we've, depending on the film, with the right director, the right content, there's also premium streaming opportunities. We've had films on Netflix, Hulu, much more difficult, and now they have advertising-supported models. So, so the distribution is quite a critical piece of the pie here, and yeah. we have a team that just focuses on that because that's kind of what, you know, from the brand perspective, they get the own channels. It's the other three I mentioned that yeah. they need access to. And I've seen so many great films go up on own channels only, and then it's like, well, why isn't this performing? It's an amazing film. And it's like, because you don't have the other three categories or four categories you're talking about. And it's so sad to see. But I think this part of it is the most mysterious, right? Like people have been making great films for a long time, but this new distribution sauce that you're talking about is so critical. And so it, there's so much strategy behind it. And often too much of the budget I've seen allocated to production and I'm in production. So <laughs> I, you know, I get both sides, but it's like, if you don't have that distribution behind it, it's just not going to have the reach. And speaking of reach, the other thing I wanted to ask you about that's tied to distribution are like how that's measured. Because again, with the distinction between brand funded and traditional branded entertainment, the ROI, I think, looks very different. And I think a lot of times when the brands we're talking to who are trying to to sell up, you know, in an initiative to this to maybe a more traditional marketing department have a tough time because they can't use the same metrics that are used in branded entertainment. So I'm curious how how you've been measuring that and how you see your clients measuring that in a way where it's it's different than the traditional ROA, but boy, there's still a definite metric that you're looking at in terms of ROI. Right. So that's the other question I get most often. People are like, okay, great. It's a fantastic film. You're not sticking products in the middle of it. Why is the brand funding? <laughs> so that's the question we get all the time. And the answer is, there is no one answer. Every one of our films, we have a different ROI, different goals, different objectives at the outset. What's important is just to agree on that upfront. Right. What do we want to accomplish? What is the messaging? And why are we doing this? But it's really never the same. There are times when a film is tied to a product. So we have those, even though the product's not featured, there's through PR channels and other channels, you're tying in a product release. But most often, again, in the case of um in the case of HP, it's putting a halo around the brand. And if the brand, the master brand, not the individual product lines of you know, printers and PCs is about innovation and celebrating youth, then these films provide that message. So it's just how you connect the dots through these other channels that make sense. So we just have to work with the brands up front and agree with them um, on what we're trying to do. We did um, not the science type featuring female scientists for 3M. Oh, I didn't know you were involved in that. Those are beautiful. And 3M is based where I'm based. And I saw that come out. I was like, good for good for 3M because they had not done anything like that that I'm aware of prior. That's great. No, this was the first time. So yes, we we did everything for that film. Um, ah, wonderful. So we, we were there right at the genesis to help create it, market, promote it. And um, 
the CMO of 3M had said, this is the most, the most important piece of content we've ever created. Um, because we premiered during the Tribeca Film Festival, um, and just digressing here a little bit, it's actually another important point is, it's really for all films. You know, in, in this world, in the world of mobile, in your, in your computers, you've got these filmmakers. Um, I remember for that film for 3M, the director was going on. He said, Marcus, I've got found these great lenses. They're from the 1960s. I had to get to this rental house in L.A., but on my laptop, I don't know what he's talking about. It looks <laughs> the same. Once we did the film screening at Tribeca and you see it on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. So you're able to really get such a better impression on the big screen because uh, a lot of these films, you know, will not have a theatrical run. And another interesting point related to that on the big screen is we just premiered our Affleck film, The Park Bench, at the Sedona International Film oh, Festival. Oh, yeah, I love that festival. Is uh, Patrick still running that? Yeah, Patrick, Patrick yeah. is still. Such a cool team and a it's cool, a cool place team. to they visit. They fell in love with the park bench. So I went out there and I was at the screening and it's on the big screen. So it's short after short. So we were in a shorts block. So let's say there was eight films. We were number five, maybe. And so it just the animation. It was from the animation team um, that did Hair Love that won the Oscar mm. that um, Unilever had helped fund. So the animation was amazing. The scene on the big screen was great, but again, very non-branded. Mm -hmm. But it featured, it's a short animated short featuring um, a family where the father was sick in the hospital and the daughter going through these emotions. My dad is sick and there's this duck that she adopts and the duck kind of helps her get through this crisis. And mm -hmm. it's about family, love, but a health issue, which is what Affleck is about, closing the gap and helping families with, you know, with funding when they're having health issues um but nothing said you know Affleck. Mm -hmm. so and again we're at a traditional film festival yeah when you were Tribeca acts okay these are brand funded films got it sure when you're at a traditional film we were surrounded by other films that are just traditional independent films so our short plays and then at the end the credits come which i barely could see on my laptop or phone but now i'm watching on the big screen <laughs> and there's our credits and at the end proudly funded by Affleck. And the audience started cheering. Really? They just went, oh, Ugh. the duck. And they put it all together <laughs> just from a credit. And sure. I went, wow, that's, look at that reaction. People were like, and when the shorts programmer first called me, she said, listen, we love this film. I just need some more information. We're thinking about programming it. And she said, hey, last thing. I got to tell you, Marcus, at least from my perspective, the duck looks very much like the Affleck duck. Like, do you have to get permission? <laughs> <laughs> and she had no idea it was brand funded. So wow. it's kind of, that's like kind of our win. But anyway, that's just, that's the, funny. The, the big screen definitely bring these things to life. When we did the Morgan Neville film, we had, we were filming waterfalls in, in Africa. You know, we did this for Samsung and just, I remember the Wall Street Journal was like, we don't really cover brand funded fills, but we'll go to the event because, you know, just throw a nice cocktail party. <laughs> and the woman was like, oh my God, she was mesmerized by the pictures. So, you know, we really try to make from a production standpoint, we want to make these films on par with um, the Hollywood films, which is why when some of the ad agencies, 
you know, just using their in-house commercial directors, it's 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 just not the same. Right. Well, the skill set is is very different too. Um, there's character development over a longer running time. You know, uh, story arcs that you just don't have time the, to 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 do like you do in a, a fifteen thirty or feature length film that you would in a 60 second commercial and and to to add on to your point about you know using those those cinema lenses you see it on the big screen that's where you're going to really feel it but i think even on the small screen when you're competing with those hollywood films there are those really subtle things that don't jump out at you but i think on a subliminal on a subliminal level you're like oh this feels like a feature length hollywood film and it's all those little details so i'm it's awesome to hear people putting together teams where they are paying attention to those things because I think that's all part of it. You mentioned the halo effect around a film, and and um, you probably, I'm sure you know um, Mark Battaglia, who was at Marriott, because you, you're both involved in that program. Yeah, we're new both instructors program. in the yes. brand storytelling course. Mark's a dear friend. Awesome, yeah. So uh, he was on the show a while back, too, and, and we were talking about storybooked the series he did when, while he was at Marriott and um, how he they would build an ecosystem around the film as part of sort of the activation. And I'm wondering, you know, you're talking about the halo effect. I think it's, it's a little bit different, but I think there are similarities with how you build out events um, like you just like you just mentioned around the film. I'm wondering how you look at that when you're doing activation. Like, let's say you get into a film festival or get great media placement. Are you then looking for other ways to bring that to life sort of, you know, outside of the screen of the film itself, like that ecosystem or halo effect? Yeah, we traditionally, the, the usually the only event we'll do of any significance would be the um, premiere. We believe the premiere event is important, and we usually do that around a film festival, and we usually do it as a private media event. And we, our films... I just did a count because we're coming up on our third birthday. And I said to my film festival team, how many festivals have we got in our brand? We're at 150. Oh, amazing. Which is crazy. So it's been such an important platform for us. But the issue is, you know, you get into Sundance, you're going to, you know, great, throw a parade and you're thrilled. And then you're going to have a screening on Main Street at two in the afternoon and they give you your four tickets. <laughs> and then there's four media in the audience. So 160 strangers who bought a badge get to see our film. That's not a big win. Right, but it's right. fine when you when you do it on scale and you're in dozens of festivals. So we do the private media screenings. So we have 150 media that will then tell their their you know readers and viewers about sure. the film. So that's the big win for us. Um, but the other vehicles at times will do trade or B two B screenings leading up to the premiere. So mm. depending on the subject matter um, and depending on the brand, just to create excitement and buzz among their customers and affiliates, so sometimes we'll do that. But um, that's usually it. And then as we get into other festivals, if there are 10 pole festivals like the top 20, we might tell the brand, hey, we should activate. Let's have a little cocktail reception for media after we did that for IBM um, for the film we did with them. So that's kind of how we we work on the activation side of things. Got it. And then I'm I'm assuming there's plenty more leading up to when, once you do know where you're landing digitally. If you're on a a streaming like one of the VOD channels, um, I'm sure there's more digital activation as well, right? Yeah. Well, that's one of the big issues is when we 
do these films. We normally have a client in one sector of the company, and they don't always bring in the other partners. Mm. So what's important is you, is to have media support to some degree. And our, our Neutrogena films, which we did both In the Sun with Kerry Washington, and then we just released two films in conjunction with the Ghetto Film School for Neutrogena Studios' first frame program, which celebrates young and diverse directors. Um, they made sure their media team, day one, was part of this, and they were able to support everything um, with media to really drive views. And In the Sun is over 8 million views, so mm, it shows wow. it really works. So it is important to have some media support, and the problem is sometimes it's an afterthought, and then the media people, oh, well, we're already planning for next year, and this year's already booked. So that's another important to-do is to make sure all the marketing teams within the brand are all rowing in the same boat. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, again, to your point, the sooner you can have those teams involved, right, from the very beginning, you can be sure to have that all ready to go in advance, because I've seen that come after the fact, too. And it's it's tough to do after the, the main screening event has already happened, trying to get press afterwards. So getting everybody at that table as soon as possible. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, too, like... Um, you know, I know you've been working on a lot of really exciting projects, but I'd love to hear what's inspiring you these days. Like, are there any documentaries or books about storytelling or, or filmmaking or distribution that you've gotten into recently or, or even one that you just find yourself coming back to like again and again? Well, I think what's, you know, the majority of brand funded films are docs, right? Documentaries for a lot of reasons, mainly because of budget and rights. Documentaries can be done way, you know, on a way smaller budget than scripted. Um, we just did release two scripted films, the one animated for Neutrogena Studios and First Frame, but they were a student film, so a little more affordable. And also because of the rights, um, you know, we did a great film um, called Wake Up for HP with Margaret Qualley, who's a, you know, pretty big Hollywood actress, and there are issues around, you know, where you can distribute. So docs make a lot of sense. So the world of documentary in general really helped fund or fuel the brand storytelling world because when yeah. you think back in the day, you'd go into a blockbuster and there'd be this dusty bin in the back with the docs. <laughs> and, you know, and now because of streaming, they're totally accessible and, and also yeah. on a lot of the airlines. So we think uh, we're in, we love documentary films and look, the best part of our our business is, you know, I come from Omnicom for 15 years. So on the traditional ad agency side, you have, we're very prescriptive with our clients. It's just so much creativity we can offer. But with filmmaking and retaining these great directors, it gives us so much creative freedom. So that's our, one of our favorite parts. Although, you know, we offer the 360 solution. We do, uh, you know, offer what the traditional studios do to the brands. But the development and the filmmaking part is great. We just, we so enjoy that because it's such a creative outlet. And, and so far, knock on wood, our films have all been winning awards and getting into big festivals. So to us, that's the most gratifying piece. Um, my partner is um, Amy Slotnick, and uh, Amy was at Disney slash Miramax as a development exec and has her name on probably seven Oscar-nominated films, so wow. she oversees a lot of that. So it's really um, a great part of 
why we love to do what we do. Yeah. And, and documentary too. I mean, I know you're part of the Purpose Collaborative at Cone, and I always, I love talking about how documentary specifically is like purpose-driven storytelling. Like, I don't know of a better format, right? I mean, there's so much you can do with going out there and finding people that are doing amazing things related to a theme that relates to a, a, a brand purpose. So docs in that realm, as well as being, you know, uh, more affordable budget-wise, a lower lift, and also just being hot. Like there's this renaissance. I mean, docs are everywhere and for good reason. So I... Oh, for sure. And you, you bring up a great point. And God, you know more about us than I do. Um, <laughs> you had the Purpose Collaborative, um, which is fantastic, is I would say, and I could look, I mean, out of our 30 films, I'd say 80 to 90% are impact films. They are purpose-driven. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of just fluff. So um, it's made a big difference that we're able to produce and distribute content that is aimed at, you know, inspiring, educating, changing the world. And that's just another great benefit of doing what we do is that's traditionally the format that works the best and what the brands are aligned with. So, um, you know, yeah. being able to tell good stories is a great part of our, our job and, and the brands really embrace. Well, and, and that impact component can be a part of that new way of looking at ROI, right? It, it might be that part of your ROI isn't either a financial return, but it's going like, okay, we know that we're moving the needle on this this issue, social issue or topic that we care a lot about. And how cool is that, that that's now becoming part of the ROI discussion? I, I love that. Well, it was interesting because um, brand storytelling connected me with a new technology company. We just met them yesterday and mm. they're offering this technology, which is pretty interesting because, you know, the coder, which is, a, you know, a young, a young black girl who started coding at age 13. Maybe there's a thousand other young people who saw that film and encouraged them to get into coding. Right. I don't know. Right. So this new company we spoke to created an app that is triggered at the end of the film where consumers can engage and it tracks everything the consumers do, including any CTAs. What did the mm. consumers do? What was their takeaway? Did they help this? Did they join this? So you can show the ROI because right now we can't say how many girls decided to go into coding. We don't have that stats, but this new company provides a backend technology to do that. So we're going to hopefully start incorporating that into future work. That is great. That is great because traditionally that's such a hard thing to measure. You know, I've done multiple films around different social impact issues and it's always hard to measure other than like the subject of the film will call me and say, hey, I got another message from this person in Bulgaria who's starting a vegetable garden because they saw the the film where this young girls do it. Um, and it's great to hear like that stuff on an anecdotal qualitative level, but man, to be able to build something in like you're talking about and get some real metrics around it, that is awesome. Yes, exactly. We get the anecdotal stuff, which is great. Um, it shows it's, it, you know, it shows it's working, but, uh, and, you know, we get social engagement, sure. we get all those numbers, we get PR, obviously we get impressions and, and hits and, you know, you get what you get from your, you know, we were just doing all like can lion submissions and, you know, everything's about results, results, results. And, you know, they're used to, look, there are, there are a festival that celebrates traditional advertising. They're used to going, so how many bottles of Coke did you sell? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, you know, we rarely 
We're we speaking a different language it. here. Yeah, yeah. Because we're not being product driven. So um, it's not, you know, not looking at sales. I think, um, you know, back in the, we did one for Nestle and Haagen-Dazs. And I think they said it was an artisan line of ice cream. And we celebrated these amazing artisans in the film. And they said, we sold out of the whole line. So, okay, great. But that's rare to have any of those metrics. Right. A lot of times, you know, brand affinity is a different, trickier thing to measure than selling the product. But a lot of times they overlap, you know, the, the, the product sales do tie directly to it. Um, well, the way we did it for In the Sun, Gina, is we engaged a, a partner, a Hollywood research company that does the test screenings for the big Hollywood studios. And we did that mm. for In the Sun, and which was all about living safely under the sun and protecting yourself from skin cancer, which is the only cancer ever that is totally preventable. And they did the screenings and said, and I'm making, you know, I can't remember the exact number. 89% of the people who viewed the film said they will um, start not only wearing sunscreen more often, but telling their family and friends. And 92% are going to visit their dermatologist more often. So, mm. you know, with that to us was the win. Yeah. Um, and that's another important point, which is a lot of the bigger brands are just looking for a lift in the category. So, you know, Nike has this amazing studio, but they don't brand their films. Mm. They're just celebrating sports. And they said as sports rises, sneakers purchase rises, and we have 40% market share or whatever. Oh, so, yeah. you, know, you know, rising tide floats all boats. So <laughs> same with, you know, Neutrogena. We didn't have like close-ups of Neutrogena sunscreen in the film, but Neutrogena's, you know, one of the leading manufacturers of sunscreen. So they know if another 10 million people are buying sunscreen, they're going to get the benefit, as will their competitors. But a lot of the brands don't care. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, it makes a lot of sense when you are that way in in any category. Um, you don't have to focus as specifically or be as overt about the direct tie-in to any product. Which is you just have to be a market leader in the category. We did one um, with McAfee about cybersecurity, and it was meant to scare you into, oh my God, I got to protect my computer. And again, it wasn't branded because they were like, if 100 people go out and buy you know, cybersecurity software, 40 of it will be ours. Right. You know, but you have to have a large market share. Right, right. Which is why it makes sense that you know, you're putting together custom... Mm, ROI metrics distribution for each brand because everybody's going to be measuring it differently and everybody will have a different strategy based on how much of that market share they own. So uh, it's cool to think about. And there are so many examples here that I think can be translated uh, to a lot of different categories and brands. And I want to be conscious of our time, but I'm wondering if you just have any other, you know, parting advice for maybe brands that are waiting for the first time into brand funded filmmaking. Maybe they've done some branded entertainment, but they're looking at, okay, let's do what what actually is brand-funded filmmaking. Any other little ideas you want to plant in their mind as they start putting something together? Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point, and that's where um, we were talking, you were talking about Morgan, we were talking about some people at Marriott who were saying that, you know, the um, C-suite are still nervous. Um, look, it was the same with, listen, we need to invest... 300 grand to build a website 20 years ago. And I was yep, like, right. <laughs> but who's going to come? Do we know? Do we... It's the wild, wild west for them. So there's still that, you know, it's weird. We we did a 
grand storytelling survey and so many of the C-suite people that were interviewed were like, innovation, innovation, taking chances, innovation, but they didn't, <laughs> they didn't really activate on what they said. Um, because look, you can say, hey, let's do a music program. Let's get it integrated into a music video. We can do that for 10 grand. So even if it doesn't work, but a brand funded film is not cheap. So that's where the brands do get nervous. Yep. Um, and look, it was with history of memory. Um, our client was like, God, that's a pretty aggressive marketing and distribution plan. I'm not sure we can fund it. And, you know, one of the executives there was looking at the plan and just went, looks good, makes sense, but it's a chunk of change. And I'm just not sure I can bite it off. He said, look at the case studies. Oh, okay. Done. So it's the proof is in the pudding. We have to, the only way we get business, the only way we can keep doing what we do is to show the success and to show that it works. And if, and if someone was to say, I don't know, there's no celebrity in our film. We're never going to get earned media. I show them, here's the front page of the LA Times. Here's the Today Show. Here's the Kelly Clarkson mm, Show. Yeah. Here's CNBC, all with our films. And they go, whoop, okay. So it's just getting the um, brand C-suite comfortable with this new medium and showing all the proof points, showing the ROI. And that's really our job. Is, is It's an education process. Um, some of the um, brands have accepted it and said, no, this is the new medium. Nike has a studio. Pepsi has a studio. REI has a studio. Now, sometimes they're virtual and there's only two or three people, but they're committed to brand-funded films for the long term, you know, at least for now. So hopefully brands will look at, you know, those are three pretty pretty big brands, and there's way Shopify is a studio. I could go. So we're getting there. We're not totally there yet, but I feel we're very bullish on the future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's really, we started this podcast to share examples and case studies of how these things are happening. And there, there is ROI there. Again, it might look a little bit different, but it's there. So, well, I just want to thank you for being, you know, a true pioneer in the space. And thanks for pushing this forward. And thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we're excited. Uh, we're excited for what's to come. To learn more about Marcus and the work he's doing with Passion Point Collective, visit passionpointcollective.com. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast and I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for guests or topics for future episodes, drop me a note at jesse at credononfiction.com.